has for us. Thank you for those verses of thanksgiving. It's, uh, we need to be mindful of all those verses. It's really nice. Uh, sermon for today. I ran into a song that helped me, but I'm going to just read a few words of that song rather than the whole song. But the title is, How to Experience God's Power. How to Experience God's Power. First verse that I have is in Romans 1 verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of, of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. That's quite amazing when you think of the power in those words, the way they're put together. And we can be thankful to Paul for writing them. <laughs> and the Heavenly Father, the Holy Spirit, directing his thoughts that he would write those things down. So that got me going on some of these words on not being ashamed, uh, the power of God unto salvation, so we need to be teaching salvation, preaching salvation, to everyone that believeth. Um, that's the first step, is to believe that there is a God, believe that he hears your prayers, believe that he answers, that he's taken care of us, that he's planned the plan of salvation. That's what helps us to believe, to be in there. So in believing, we need to believe in the saving power of Jesus Christ and the Heavenly Father. In Romans 10, verse 13, it says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you don't believe it, you don't call. If you don't believe it, you're not going to say anything about being saved or wanting God's blessings. Um, we definitely need to know the power of God and decide to use it for our own advantage, in this case, for salvation. To save ourselves. And then we can give that, uh, that praise, that hope for, to others. I began to think of this song, Nothing But the Blood. I thought, some churches don't want you to sing that song anymore because it mentions blood. Oh, you're missing a whole lot, aren't you, if you miss this one? Because that song reads this way. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other font I know nothing but the blood of Jesus. The other verses, I'll read just the short piece. and Maybe you want to answer uh, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Verse 2 says, For my pardon, this I see, nothing but the blood of Jesus. For my cleansing, this I plead, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Going back to the third verse, nothing can for sin atone, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Not of good that I have done, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Fourth verse says, is 
th this is all my hope and peace. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. This is all my righteousness. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Songs like this had a sermon built in. And we used to sing these, and it really influenced our lives. Uh, many, many years ago, of course, for me, <laughs> when we'd sing these songs, they were sermons, and you'd hear them over and over and over until it was ground into your mind and thoughts that there is nothing but Jesus. And if his blood was not shed for us, that's a nothing as well. It took his blood, his death, to uh, shed his blood that we could have this, that we could be, have our sins washed away. I remember that was so important to me when I was getting baptized. I thought, wow, if, I want to be sure that they dunk me all the way under because I want to be completely washed. It was a river from the streams above. It's cool probably in summertime, but it was probably pretty cool. And I wanted that water to wash me. We used to even think that way, that you needed to be washed in a river, not a baptistry. <laughs> but you wanted to be dunked underneath. You wanted to be completely cleansed, to wash head to toe with this water. And we know that that's only Jesus that can wash away our sins. We wanted to be pardoned. It was a big feeling in our lives to know that God would pardon us if we did certain steps in the plan of salvation, walking through his plan. There's nothing but Jesus' blood that can cleanse us and pardon us. Nothing can for sin atone. Nothing can be atoned for us without blood. And it was Jesus' blood, the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. It was his blood that would allow us to have that forgiveness. This is all my hope and peace. Hope and peace through Jesus Christ. What can make me whole again? Only Jesus and his blood. What can cleanse? For, for my cleansing, this I plead. You're praying and asking God to heal you, to cleanse you, to purify you, um, that you could plead this before God, that Jesus' blood would be sufficient to cleanse you. Sometimes they think we're so bad, how could Jesus do that for me? But he did, and God accepts it. Not of good that I have done, that's for sure. Yeah, we haven't done anything good. It's the blood of Jesus. This is all my righteousness. What is it? The blood of Jesus. We can accept Christ as our Savior, and he becomes our substitute for ourselves. We should pay for our own. Thank God we don't have to. Yeah, Jesus took our place. So there's verses like that all over the place, all over the Bible, that fit in that song as well. Uh, turn with me to Joel chapter 2 and verse 32. Joel, one of the Old Testament scriptures, not too far in. Um, well, in fact, about half of my Bible, I guess it's past Psalms, isn't it? <laughs> okay. Uh, but let's look at Joel chapter 2 and verse 32. And it, it, and it shall come to pass that whosoever 
shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered for the Mount of Zion and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance as the Lord hath said and it and the remnant whom the Lord shall call. We sometimes talk about God calling us out and that we're a remnant because we listened. We came out. There was only a few that came out, the remnant. And yet many churches are talking about the millions that are going to re- meet Jesus. Ran into this past week. You know, people talking that way. How many were going to be meeting Jesus? How fast the church was growing? How many baptisms they had? What were they believing? Were they teaching things that tickle their ears because they want to hear that? Yeah. But this remnant is a small piece at the end of, you know those bolts of cloth that roll out and roll out and roll out three feet at a time, three feet, you know, um, a yard at a time, as they say. Um, and what's at the end? The remnant. Nobody wants a remnant. It's not enough to build anything with. God wants the remnant. The ones that willingly serve him, choose to serve him. So whosoever would call on the name of the L, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, the Heavenly Father. Wow. We know it's going to connect with Jesus as well, right? And what I found is this verse carries over into the New Testament to Romans 10 verse 13. So we need to see that fulfilled in the New Testament. Let's go to, um, to that one, Romans 10 and verse 13. And, and on down there, but chapter, oh, did I get that right? Yeah, B, whosoever. Um, Romans 10 and verse 13. I'm going to have some others in Romans as well. But Romans chapter 10 and verse 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, capital L, small O, small R, small D. This is Jesus. This is Paul writing to the Romans. Wow, and he's quoting from the Old Testament. And if they will call upon the Lord, they shall be saved. We know for sure for the, whole, for the Heavenly Father, because that was in the Old Testament, we know this is talking about Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior and Master in, uh, in this uh, New Testament times, in the Roman times. Um, whoever would call upon the Lord would be saved. And it's a, a tremendous blessing to think of being called the saved or to call yourself the saved. Are you saved? I guess it's the trick, isn't it? You can't say, I'm one of the saved ones, I'm one of the called out ones, unless you really are, or are you lying? Now Paul goes on to that, doesn't he? He says, if I speak amiss, I'm a liar. And you know what happens to all liars. <laughs> They'll find their place in the hot place. <laughs> uh, so he's being mindful here of how he's wording this. So let's also go to Acts chapter 2, and verse 21. Acts chapter 2 and verse 21. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord 
shall be saved. He said it twice. The Heavenly Father and the Holy Spirit brought this to their minds when they were writing. This verse is the same as what was in Romans and the same in the Old Testament, same as here. So we can know that the three proofs are there. Uh, I want to also get, while we're here in chapter X, chapter 2, um, oh yes, in Peter's sermon. So turn back a little bit to verse 14. Yes, oh, uh, I, I wanted to catch the beginning of the story and the end of the story, but here Peter stands up with the eleven, uh, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judah, Judea, the, the Judah people, the Judea land. So he's connecting these together. And all ye that dwell in, at Jerusalem. So he's zeroing in on Jerusalem. Be this known unto you and hearken to my words. It's calling attention. Listen to me. I got something to tell you that's really important. And you need to read it. He didn't know what he was going to talk about. And he really goes on and on. And this goes all the way down to verse 36. And you say, well, I hope he doesn't read all that. That's, that's right. <laughs> I don't want to read it all. Uh, but he talks about David. He talks about the, the uh, wilderness experience, you might say, and how they came to be a people. And, and David, our patriarch, he's tying that in with history. He says, you know what? He's dead and buried in the sepulcher is here. I've got somebody that doesn't have a sepulcher that's got anybody in it. They said this is where they laid him. But he's gone. We got a risen Savior. So he goes on to talk here about uh, Jesus. It's in verse 32. God hath raised up whereof we are witnesses. Witnesses. You've got to have so many witnesses to prove that something's right, proper. Well, did anybody see Jesus after he was risen? Well, sure thing, the, the, the guards did. They went and reported it. And they said, we'll pay you a lot of money to keep your mouth shut. They bribed him. Okay, but everybody knows because it was written in the scriptures. <laughs> they know what had happened. There was actually 500 people that witnessed Jesus after his resurrection. Witness 500. How many do you need? You know, this kind of thing. How do I know 500? It's here in the Bible. It said that 500 are probably still alive is what they, what they said. But anyway, he's going through this. And then he says in verse 34, For David is not ascended into heaven. What do you hear at every funeral? This person's up in heaven. Poor David, he didn't get to go. Why they do that, I don't know. They're not using scriptures. David was a man after God's own heart. And here the scripture says that he has not risen and not gone to heaven. Not ascended into heaven. Anyway, he, uh, and, uh, but Jesus Christ has. And he says he's sitting on the right hand of the Father. Some don't say that. They say, oh, he had to wait till 1844. Or, you know, he had to wait until this and this date. This isn't even yet a hundred years after Christ's death and he was sitting at the right hand of God. This must be true, must be accurate, or he's a liar and the whole Bible's a liar. That makes things bad, doesn't it? So after he had convinced them with his, with his statements and he's saying, you're the house of Israel, you've got to do something about this. 
This Jesus is your Lord and Christ in verse 36. God made him Lord and Christ, but he belongs to you. He was an Israelite. He was a Hebrew. He was, you know. And when they heard this in verse 37, they were, uh, and when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts. We need to be pricked in our hearts when we hear these stories. It should shiver us all the way down to our bones. What do I do? So they asked him, men and brethren, what shall we do? So I said, let me tell you in verse 38. <laughs> but he had already told them, hadn't he? They were to repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. For, uh, oh, pardon me, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy, Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. You will receive the gift. Shall receive. It's not maybe. It's shall receive. Wow, when you think of that, we can depend on this verse being right. Somebody else comes along and says, well, you have to do this and this and this, and then you'll get the Holy Spirit. Uh, wait a minute. There was no ifs and ands and buts on this, was it? You shall receive. When you're baptized, repent first, repent and be baptized, you shall receive the Holy Spirit. Now, you might want to get more busy with God or more active in service or whatever. You, you know, say, I've got more of the Spirit of God. There's verses like that. Refilling of the Holy Spirit, having more of the Spirit. That's okay. But never deny that you don't have it. You haven't got the Spirit. And don't let anybody talk you into it. That they need to pray for you. I've had that happen too, or they wanted to pray for me to, so that I'd get the Holy Spirit. They had to back off. They said, well, God says you need to wait a while that you'll get more of the Spirit and you'll get more whatever. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Anyway, these people were added. Uh, in verse 40, it says, save yourselves from this untoward generation. Is this the kind of world that we're living in? Oh, Yeah. Later, when they were talking about the different churches, Paul said, when I leave, grievous wolves are going to come into the church. And then you can read in, what is it? Right hand, left hand page, inside column, bottom half. <laughs> All these people are going to be in the church. Is that Timothy or Titus? Wow. And it blows your hearts, blows your mind. But this is all these things are in the world. Have we got any of those nowadays? Let me see here. Uh, I'm in Timothy right at the moment. If somebody else finds it quicker. Ah, yes. Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 through 5. Would it embarrass you to read them? If it does, we're in trouble, right? This is really real life. This know ye, that, um, that in the last days perilous times shall come. We got it. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. That's very true. Covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. Oh, yeah. Schools are a mess. Uh, unthankful, unholy, without natural affections, truth breakers, false accusers, incontinence, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than, pleasure than lovers of God, 
having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. That's the world that we're living in. We start asking, when's the end of the world coming? Or what's going to happen at the end? We're there. There isn't very much more that has to be done yet. We're there. Okay, so uh, the saving power that we're really after. It's not the uh, amount of money we have or the education or the social standing or uh, scientific achievements and on and on. They can't forgive the sinfulness. They can't forgive us. Let's look at Matthew 16. This will be Jesus, of course. What's in Matthew 16? And I want to go down to verse 24. Verse 24 is the start of a new topic, kind of a paragraph. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. People don't want to deny themselves. They want everything. I won't go unless I... That's not a part of it. That's not an option. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. I'm not going to go to that and that because if you're going to save your life, you're going to lose it. And whosoever shall lose his life for my sake shall find it. You're really going to have a life. You're going to know that you're alive and that you're doing well. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Right. For what shall a man say, uh, give in exchange for his soul? I think I'll stop there. The other two verses you can read as well. But what can we give in exchange? That's the punchline, isn't it? Nothing. Our education, our money, our uh, anxieties, whatever. There's nothing that is going to buy your salvation. There's nothing that you can give for your soul, for your life, for your eternal life. Nothing that you can do. We need to accept Jesus Christ as our substitute. He's our Savior our advocate, and so on. Only the power of God through the gospel of Jesus Christ can bring forgiveness. That's what I'm pointing out. That's what's going on here in these verses. Eternal life is given to those who repent and believe. It's in Acts, right? It's all over the Bible. In fact, in the book of Revelations, it's talking to the churches, repent because I'm coming. It's all over the Bible. We need to repent and believe. We are sanctified by the power of God. To experience God, you'd know that you're sanctified. You'd feel that something's going on in my life. Uh, in John 17, verse 17, I want to read 19 there as well, so you better go to John. John 17. Uh, it reads uh, this way, 1717. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Sanctify. So, this is a prayer. Some people say, I don't know how to pray. Well, there's prayers all over the Bible. Well, this is a prayer. Sanctify them. Jesus talking, here, the red letters of the Bible. Jesus is talking. 
Who's he talking to? Heavenly Father. That's who we pray to. Sanctify them through thy truth. We've we got to consider truth. Truth is good. Truth is righteousness. We're going to be sanctified through truth. Where's the words of truth from God? Right here. That's all we got. It's a plenty. It's a good, a good deal. Through thy truth, thy word is truth. That's why we can say the scripture, the Bible, is truth. Thy word is truth. Uh, thou hast not sent me unto the world, and so on, uh, down, uh, in, end of verse 19, sanctify through thy truth. Ah, we are sanctified through the truth. Uh, go down a little further. Uh, I think it's in, in another, another verse. No, maybe I didn't catch it further down. Uh, but verse 20, uh, Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. <laughs> no wonder I've got square brackets around this in blue because it's red writing of Jesus. Right? We need to be telling the truth. We need to be teaching the Bible that they can hear and come and do the same. Do likewise. Preach the gospel. So I want to go now to, um, there's uh, one connection where there ended up being three verses, but um, belief. Isaiah 55 and verse 7. Isaiah 55 and verse 7. Let the wicked forsake his way. That's what we need to do, right? That's a job that we have to do. And the unrighteous man, his thoughts. A job for us to work at. Let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. We just got to get square with God. Tell the truth. Plain outright, I've done wrong. Many of the Bible uh, prayers that you read, that they're saying, Lord, we did it. We're guilty. Me too. I'm guilty. And God loves it. And he, he pardons them. Gives them pardoning. Uh, okay, from this... I would jump to um, Ezekiel, not very far away. Ezekiel 18. Eighteen verse 20. 20, there we go. Um, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. What does others teach? The soul can never die. Whoops. Are they telling truth? Or is this verse a throwaway? We're not allowed to change or alter the word of God. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. And you can read the rest of it to get the connections and so on with that. Um, in verse 21 too, 21 also. Uh, but if the wicked will turn from his sins that he hath committed and keep my statutes. Oh, don't, don't give me any laws and statutes and standards. And, and nobody wants those. 
but if he will, and do that which is lawful and right, oh, standards again. You've got rules in your church. It's in the Bible. But if you do that which is lawful and right, he shall surely live, he shall not die. Hey, I'll take it, right? I, I want to be there. I want to get part of that. I want to live. I want to be in God's forever. What does it take? I'll do it. That needs to be our attitude, right? So I'm going to turn to Luke 24. Luke 24. Because we want New Testament in all of this as well, right? Luke uh, 24, here we go. And I want 47. Verse 47. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Repentance. Are we just storytelling? Are we teaching the gospel of Jesus Christ? That, that includes repentance and remission of sins. We need to make sure that we get our sins forgiven, get, get them out of the way. And it should be preached in his name. Jesus' name, Heavenly Father as well, but mainly Jesus, our Savior that died for us and died on the cross. Among all nations, not that we just pick out a few nations here and there, but all nations need to hear it. It's wonderful that the internet does this for us, right? It can reach all over the world, everywhere, and it has reached, beginning at Jerusalem and then carrying on to the rest of the world. Okay, uh, that was Luke. Uh, repentance. Acts 20 and 21, Acts chapter 20, verse 21 says repentance. Preach repentance is what it says there. So I'm going on again. Being sanctified with the power of, uh, of the Heavenly Father and uh, to be cleansed. Let's see, I have Romans 6, 13. Oh, this one had a number of verses, so it just helped me touch bases here. In uh, Romans chapter 6. You may have to jot these down and read them later. Chapter 6. See if this word carries through. Concent uh, consecration and faith. That's what I was looking here. Romans 6. And verse 13. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness, unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those which are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. That's consecration. When some item was given to the temple service and you consecrated it, you no longer could take it back out to use it for other things and anything it touched was consecrated. Well, it's not quite that rigid in the New Testament, or is it? Do we consecrate our bodies with that in mind? Don't let sin get into our bodies. Don't let sin change things for us. So, so this cleansing, that was verse 13. Verse 16 has the same thing, right? Obey is in there. Obey his servants are to whom ye obey. If you're going to be a servant to that, 
over there. You're, you're actually committing to it. You're concentrating yourself over there. You're yielding yourself to him. Well, we want to obey the Lord Jesus Christ. And in the last part of the verse, whether of sin unto death or obedience unto righteousness, we've got to do the obedience, right? The obedience. Um, then I've got verse uh, 19. I think he uses the same word. Verse 19. Um, Yield your members' servants unto unrighteousness or, uh, and to iniquity, unto iniquity. Is that where we're at, is what he's asking? Are you going to yield your members of your body to iniquity? No, what not to do that. I wrote a B because it's the last part of that, verse 19. And verse 22. But now being made free from sin and become servants of God, ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. We commit ourselves to Jesus Christ and his service and we will end up with eternal life. That's what's really neat about that. Okay. Um, I love verses that go through things like that where if you do this, you'll do that and uh, kind of backtrack and, and help you to understand. Um, I wrote 15 through 18 and that's where... Um, Ye, ye, you know, I thank God that ye, ye were servants of sin, but you have obeyed unto, uh, from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered unto you, being then made free from sin and became the servant of righteousness. I speak in the manner. If you read this through, you'll see that you are free from sin, but if you go into sin and yield yourself to sin, it's no wonder you serve sin. You know, this, this comparison. And I love it when he comes back around and says, well, are you going to obey or not? Are you going to be servants of righteousness or servants of the wicked one? And if you yield yourself to the wicked one, it's no wonder you're sinning. You see, serve righteousness then we ought to be obviously as well to be able to uh, uh, yield ourselves in a way that we don't sin. Okay, I want to keep going here. In uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23, it'll talk about uh, <coughs> sanctified, to be sanctified. 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And verse 23. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray God your whole spirit, soul, body be preserved blameless unto the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, he's praying for us. We need to pray for each other and pray for ourselves. But the very God of peace sanctify you. That's where your sanctification comes from when God steps in. Here's another thought on a sanctifying power of God in Philippians 4, verse 7. And this is just parts of the verse, but the peace of God shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. It's the peace of God that can do it to satisfy us. 
sanctifying us and purifying us, washing us. It's the sanctifying power of the Heavenly Father that can do that for us. Um, there's so many distractions and disappointments in our life that uh, people get lost in their troubles and trials and suffering and sorrow that are all around us and it's distracting us. We have to get our aim right. We've got to get our, our uh, decision to do things right and we'll be satisfied through the Heavenly Father. The power of God brings satisfaction. Christians have peace, joy, when he nurtures the right kind of thoughts. The person that calls himself a Christian or wants to be a Christian, wants to be Christ-like, you've got to control your heart, your thoughts. In uh, Philippians 4 verse 8, you remember that whole long verse it says uh, uh, I better look it up yeah I'm, I'm not getting it immediately in my head here Philippians yep right where I thought it was <laughs> left page bottom of the page left left side uh, the God of peace which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Then the verse I'm after here. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, we got to be thinking about true things, righteous things, proper things, happiness. We got to put our mind in that. Whatever is true, whatever things are honest, throw out all the other stuff. Don't think on them. Don't dwell on them. Whatsoever things are just, Think of the righteous side of things. Whatever's just, do those things. Keep that in your mind. Whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, so you're adding these up, think on these things, right? If there be any praise, think on these things. Those are the list. You could add them all up and say, okay, I need to be doing this, I need to do that because it's good for me. I'm going to be blessed. I'm going to receive peace where the world is in turmoil. The sustaining power of Heavenly Father. Um, so verse in First uh, Peter um, chapter 1 and verse 5. Who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation. So our faith and our praise are, we're being kept by the power of the Heavenly Father through faith unto salvation. If we can just match those up and live those things, we're going to know that we're getting salvation. It'll be a promise. We try to live the Christian life through our own power. Impossible. Right? It's not going to work. And there in Romans 7, I wrote all these verses down. I think I better not read them all. But if you want to jot them down and read them at home, Romans 7, 24 and 25, first part of 25. And then chapter 8, 1, chapter 8, 4, chapter 8, 6, chapter 8, 9, chapter 8, 13 and 14. Why is this so important? That's a crossover point in, in, the, in the whole book. The book of Romans. In the seventh chapter and everything before it, you can't do it. You're not going to make it. Of all men, I am most miserable. Because you can't do it. 
What's chapter 8 start with? How's that go? No condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. That's what we need. That's the switchover point. When you realize I can't do it on my own, I have to have Jesus. I need the power of the Holy Spirit. And then bang, 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 all the way down chapter 8. You can do it. You can live this because it's through the power of Jesus Christ and power of Heavenly Father. The sustaining power will keep us all the way through all of that. Please read that. Start with a a verse or two in in chapter 7 saying, I can't make it. And then turn over the leaf and read chapter 8 slowly and meaningful all the way. You can make it with the power of the Heavenly Father and the power of the Holy Spirit. Sustaining power. It keeps your faith, keeps you committed to Him, keep our, our own lives and our living lives that we live, and our future is secure. In Second uh, uh, Timothy chapter 1, Second Timothy chapter 1 would be good to follow up on this one. Second uh, Timothy, here we go. Second Timothy chapter 1 verse 12. For the which cause I also suffer these things. You'd need to read what was above. What was he suffering? He was in prisons lots of times and all these other things. I suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. I know this as a fact, is what he's saying. I'm hanging in there. Because I know it works. And I believe it, is what he's saying. One last comment or two here. The stabilizing power uh, to make you perfect, established, strengthened, and settled you. Where's that? First Peter. Chapter 5 and verse 10. Because he can make it perfect for us. He can establish us. He can strengthen us. He can settle us through the power of the Heavenly Father and Lord Jesus Christ. Many people that want to be Christians or would be Christians, want to be Christ-like, fail to have the blessings because they are immature, unstable, undependable. So in other words, we need to take those words and fix them. Are we immature? Well, get on. Get on with the studies. Get on with the reading. Get on with the living. Right? And are we um, unstable? We ought not to be. It says like a reed blowing in the wind. No, we don't do that. Every wind of doctrine that comes by, we follow it and blow back and forth. No. We have to have stability and strengthen. Put on the whole armor of God. You know, there's lots of verses that we could find, right? Right? that we need to strengthen ourselves and be settled about it all. Understand it well enough that we're just settled. I know where I'm at and I got the verses to prove, you know, my dependability instead of undependable. We have to be mature and strengthen ourselves, strengthen in the Heavenly Father, be dependable. Um, These are God's gifts to us that we might grow in grace and love 
There's lots of verses about growing. These gifts are attained through prayer. Ask God. He says he'll give it to us. Ask. Solomon asked correctly and he got it. Right? He said, I'm glad you didn't ask for this and this because God would have given it to him, but it wouldn't have been a good deal. He asked for wisdom and knowledge and how to rule these people, how to teach the people. God said, I'll give you all that and this. Right? <laughs> okay. I love that too. Um, so we need to grow in grace and love. Uh, the gifts through prayer, faith, patience, and obedience. May God bless you.